Good afternoon and welcome to Authentic Living with Andrea Matthews. Over the next hour, you'll learn how to live from your true self through all of life's twists and turns. And you'll be challenged to lean into the mysteries of life to find your own deepest wisdom. Now, here's your host, Andrea Matthews. Good afternoon and welcome to the Authentic Living Show. We're talking today about whether or not the divine really does take care of us. That's a question that gets raised by a lot of us, especially in dark days. And we're just now beginning to see some light at the end of a long, dark tunnel. Businesses are coming back. Deaths from COVID are way down. The number of people getting COVID is also down. We have a new government and some new hope for fairness and equity. But we've been through some really dark days, and each individual in this whole collective who has walked through this darkness has been through his or her own personal darknesses, which may have included many other forms of darkness. It would not have been uncommon during these dark times for us to ask the question, where is the divine in all of this? Why is this happening? Well, I pretend to have all the answers, but I do think we can find out today if the divine is really taking care of us. Be here for it. So that's a question that gets raised a lot. Uh, I see it a lot in in, uh, the lives of the people that I work with. I I see it in uh, times of of trouble for all kinds of people. And I I know that it's definitely a question that that is uh, important for us to answer. I know of people who say, no, the divine does not really take care of us. Uh, that that he does he she it does not interfere in the process of our living experience, and um, there's something to be said for that. There's something to be said for the idea that the divine would not interfere. I can't say that that's totally uh, something that runs against uh, the philosophy of life and choice and free will and all of that. Um, so I don't want to. I don't want to say that the divine interferes. But I do think that the divine can take care of us. And I am uh, supported in that belief by many of the religious texts all over the world. And we're going to talk about some of those for a minute um, in just a minute. But well, I want to I talk a little bit more about the darkness and what that's all about. Um, we will say some more about this as we go. Um, the darkness for all of us is a time of... of um, struggle, of suffering, of difficulty, of complex issues, of uh, we look at people that are hungry and we wonder why they have to suffer and other people don't. We look at people who are born with disabilities and we wonder why they have to suffer and others don't. We look at people with uh, uh, money problems and, and poverty issues and uh, you know, the racial issues that are, are so prevalent, the um, homophobia that's so prevalent out there all, all the time. Uh, why do those people, why are they, why, are they selected by the gods to suffer? What is that all about? And then, of course, there's other people who say, well, if there's so much suffering on the world, there can't be a god of any form from any religion. There just can't be a God because there's too much suffering. It just doesn't seem fair, does it? It doesn't seem right. It doesn't seem fair that people should have to suffer. And particularly we are in a quandary when it comes to people who are 
quote unquote good people that they are good people so why should they have bad things happen to them and again i can't say that i have all the answers to that but I, I but i think we can say that the divine is taking care of us throughout this process because here's what uh, I've discovered in looking at the root language of the of the Bible and of uh, looking at the other texts, sacred texts from around the world. Um, I have discovered that it's not that we uh, are not one with the divine. We actually are one with the divine. We just have forgotten that. And. According to the uh, the text of the Old Testament, you know, and the uh, uh, the Tanakh of the Jewish faith, uh, in the root language, that's that uh, the the decision that we made to explore duality was a decision that had to do with the creation of the world. We when Eve ate of the tree of knowledge of good and evil, uh, she was deciding through her feminine characteristic she, she was not a literal she she was the feminine aspect of all of humanity and which represents the inner person of all of humanity and that uh, that aspect of humanity was deciding to explore the possibility that the creation could be separate from its creator and that option has to be explored before creation can be complete because how would a creation be complete with questions still raised about its nature. No, the, the questions have to be answered. So those questions are, are being asked by the process that we're in right now, and they are being slowly and deliberately answered by the process we're in right now. And that process is the process of duality. So we believe and have come to believe that we are separate from the divine, and that we have to do certain things to be united with the divine again. Maybe we have to live a righteous life. Uh, maybe we have to say certain prayers. Maybe we have to uh, meditate in certain ways. Maybe we have to uh, perform certain rituals. But in every religion, there seems to be something that we're supposed to do in order to be united with the divine. But the truth of it is we've never left the divine. That the divine is still right there inside of us. We just don't know it. And the reason we don't know it is because our heads are all stuck in duality. And so duality believes that there is no one taking care of us. That that we have to struggle and fight for our food and our suppers. That we have to uh, that we have to struggle and compete with others to make money because money is how we've decided to survive on this planet. Money's a very interesting conundrum to me as an aside here, a segue, that uh, money is something we all agreed to use in its various forms in various countries. We, we decided to use money to uh, trade. We all made that decision collectively, and now we act like it is the only possible truth. And of course it isn't the only possible truth. Um, when the Israelites crossed over the desert to get to the promised land, they, uh, they struggled with this whole thing about whether or not the divine was taking care of them. And they fussed at Moses a lot about it. And, uh, you know, they kept, and one of the times they, 
were fussing about it. They, um, you know, they were uh, thought they were starving. And I, I think of an adolescent coming home and opening the freezer or the refrigerator and saying, there's nothing here to eat. And of course, the refrigerator or the freezer is stocked full of food. The pantry is stocked full of food. And when you say that to the teenager and uh, uh, about that, oftentimes a teenage boy who's very active and physical, he will say, I don't like any of that stuff. <laughs> and that's kind of what the Israelites were saying. So uh, they were saying that, you know, we're not being provided for, and even if we are being provided for, we don't like that stuff. So uh, they were actually being provided for every single day along the trip. They had quail, and they had manna, and they were being, and they had water, and they were being provided for the entire time of their trip, which was 40 years. And uh, so, but they didn't believe that, and that's the way it is for all of us. We don't believe that we're being provided for, but we are. And because we don't believe it, we need a new vision. And uh, that's what happened to the Israelites. They had to look at the serpent, Rob Ron's serpent on the staff, to be able to see a new vision. They were only to look. They didn't have to bow down. They didn't have to pray. They didn't have to go through a ritual. They didn't have to ask to be saved. They didn't have to do any of that. They just had to look. And the looking alone was enough to open their eyes to, oh, there's a different reality here than the one I've been living in. So that's just sort of a foundation for what we're about to say with regard to the suffering of humankind. And we'll talk some more uh, about what that ultimately means in a few minutes. But I want to do the, I want to talk to you about what the sacred texts from around the world say about whether or not we're going to be taken care of by the divine. So let's look first at the Bhagavad Gita, one of my favorite books in the entire world, uh, second to the the Bible, and then uh, the Upanishads come after that. So, um, so the Bhagavad Gita, chapter 18, verse 62 says, Surrender exclusively unto him with your whole being, O Bharat. By his grace, you will attain perfect peace in the eternal abode. Not by your work, not by your striving, not by your uh, trying really hard to make yourself okay but by his grace. So what that says is that there's something really active in our lives that's uh, helping us attain perfect peace and and an eternal abode. So the, uh, you know, how do we have perfect peace if we're not being taken care of, if things aren't going, you know, kind of smoothly, or even if they are, aren't going smoothly and we can have peace in the midst of that wouldn't that be okay too uh the shwatashvatar upanishad states we take shelter of that supreme being who created brahma and others it is by his grace that the soul and intellect get illumined so again we're being told that there's a process happening that wakes us up that allows us to be okay and that takes care of us. And we can shelter in that process. We can shelter in the supreme being that creates that process. And so that's from the Hindu religion, the Upanishads. And um, so it's important for us to understand that, that these things are across the globe in varying religions that we're being told that there's something happening that can really take care of us. 
The Srimad Bhagavatam says, O Udhav, giving up all forms of mundane social and religious conventions, simply surrender unto me, the supreme soul of all souls. Only then can you cross over this material ocean and become fearless. One of the things that Jesus said was, do not be afraid, I have overcome the world. In the world you will have troubles and sorrows, but I have overcome the world. And that's basically what's being said here, that uh, if we surrender, we, we are asked, called upon to surrender to the supreme being, and then we can cross over the material ocean and become fearless. In other words, we can survive this planet without fear. And so, uh, again, that's uh, telling us that we can be taken care of. And it's not, uh, it's not telling us that everything's going to go our way here on planet Earth, which is what we think me- it means by being taken care of. It does mean that we will be able to live on this Earth without fear. And that's one of the things, again, that Jesus said. Uh, you'll have to try the, this planet Earth in duality gives us trouble and sorrow, but the, uh, the, the I am, which Jesus represented, has already overcome that. Sri Krishna also stated in, in verse 714 of the Bhagavad Gita, my divine energy, Maya, consisting of the three modes of nature, is very difficult to overcome. But those who surrender unto me cross over it easily. That's beautiful. So it, it, they're being honest. They're not lying to us. They're not saying, oh, you know, this is a piece of cake. You just don't worry about it. You're, you're going to be fine. Everything's going to go your way. You'll be all right. It's not saying that. It's saying that it's difficult to overcome in the three modes of nature. And uh, we could spend some time talking about that, but we don't have to go into that. All we need to know is it's all about the material plane. Maya is all about duality. It's all about the idea that we are separate from the divine. It's all about the idea that, uh, that we have to survive and make it and create our existence based on our striving. That's what Maya is all about, and, uh, it, and it is difficult. From that perspective, it is difficult. Just like from the perspective of duality, the Israelites thought that they weren't being taken care of by the divine. But those who surrender unto me cross over it easily. So surrender is a big part of this, and we're going to see that in uh, again and again throughout what we're saying here, that surrender is a really big part of this whole process. And uh, so so let's consider what consider, surrender means. We'll do that in a few minutes after we, after we talk about these various texts. The Quran from Islam says in Quran 3, 159, place your trust in Allah. Surely Allah loves those who place their trust in him. Uh, and, you know, Proverbs in the Old Testament of the Bible says, trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not into your own understanding. In all your ways, acknowledge him, and he will direct your paths. So, uh, this is saying the same thing in the Quran. Place your trust in Allah. Surely Allah loves those who place their trust in him. So, basically what it's saying is, give give over your idea that you got to take care of everything. Give that over, and let's just trust in the divine. The divine is going to take care of everything. So, you know, if that's really true, then we are being taken care of by the divine. 
Now, we look at that and we say, well, that's just not possible. There's just too much suffering. The divine is not taking care of us. But the divine's not promising that duality will not be, will be easy. The divine is promising that even through duality, we can get in touch with who we are at the deepest level, which the Bhagavad Gita calls divine self. Uh, um, uh, Charles Fillmore, who wrote the, the, um, um, the book about the inter- inter- various metaphor- metaphysical definitions of what the various terms in the Bible mean, he says that every time we see the word Lord in the text of the Old or New Testament, we should replace it with the words I am. So when we say the Lord is my shepherd, we should say I am is my shepherd. It is a part deep within us that is the grace of the divine, that is the power of the divine. It is the process that Jesus would have described as the kingdom of heaven within us. It is going on all the time, and it is taking care of us, and we are evolving as a result of that care. Okay, the Quran also says, and he will provide him from sources he could never imagine. And whoever puts his trust in Allah, then he will suffice him. Verily, Allah will accomplish his purpose. Indeed, Allah has set a measure for all things. So basically what that's saying is everything is somehow being taken care of in the process. If, if we think about it, if we think everything is one with the divine, then there's no way that the divine is not taking care of everything. We don't believe it and we don't see it and we don't act on it. We act on our impulses to do the things that we think are going to make us okay, even if that means uh, stealing or robbing or, or lying or uh, you know, um, killing someone. If that's what we, we can identify with all kinds of things other than the oneness that is inside of us, and we can operate out of that identity instead of operating out of our I am. We can operate out of that, and we often do. But uh, what this is saying is if we, we're, when, we tr- when we trust in the divine, he will provide from sources we could never imagine. And whosoever puts his trust in Allah, then he will suffice, suffice him. In other words, he's going to take care of him. Trust in the divine, the Allah, and he will take care of him. Verily, Allah will accomplish his purpose. That's also said in Isaiah 55, 11 in the Old Testament. My word will not return to me empty without accomplishing that for which I sent it. So if we are his word, the creation that he created, then we will not return empty. There is no failure here. There is no possibility of failure. We're being taken care of in spite of everything. So let's look at the Bible. In 1 Peter 5, 7, it says, Casting all your anxieties on him because he cares for you. Well, that's pretty clear, right? We can just give that to the divine, and the divine will take care of us. Now, does that mean everything's going to go our way? Does that mean we, we don't have concerns, that we should never be anxious? No, it says, you have anxieties, go ahead and give them to the divine, and the divine will take care of it because the divine cares for you. Philippians 4, 6-7 through 7 says, Do not be anxious about anything, but in everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, let your requests be known to God. And the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. So again, we're being told, 
you know, that, that our anxiety can be taken care of through prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, that we can be uh, assured that our requests are being made known to God and that the peace of God can, can accompany us through it. So that, those are some of the verses. I've got some more that I'm going to share with you right after the break. Uh, but I want to give you those because they round out the fact that these are not just in the Bible or in the Quran or in the Upanishads or in the Bhagavad Gita. They're in all of them. So stay tuned for more right after this break. your world. Motivate. Change. Succeed. VoiceAmericaEmpowerment.com Broaden your mind. Open your heart for a greater understanding of how to express your pure and authentic nature. Tune in and turn on 1111 Talk Radio. Simron, author, publisher, and life mentor, broadens minds and opens hearts to a greater understanding of life, consciousness, and humanity. 1111 Talk Radio is every Tuesday at 11 a.m. Eastern, 8 a.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Empowerment Channel. 1111 Talk Radio. You are not on a journey. You are the journey. You are experience experiencing itself. Tune in each week for Advancing All Women, hosted by Sarah Alter, the President and CEO of Network of Executive Women. Hear top executives and experts talk the most pressing topics for women in the workplace. From advancing women of color to developing and engaging male allies to how to navigate the new workplace post-COVID-19, Sarah will cover it all as she and her guests dig into these key issues. Listen every Friday at 10 a.m. Eastern, 7 a.m. Pacific on Voice America Empowerment or catch our replays weekly on Voice America Influencers. Life can be confusing at times. There can be uncertainty, disappointment, and an inability to clearly see where you're headed. But it doesn't have to be this way at all if you understand how to take the next step in your life. Tune in to Living the Miracle with your hosts, Michael and Raphael Tamora. We'll help you to find the deeper meaning that awaits you in your life, have certainty in yourself, and learn to be clairvoyant. Listen Wednesdays at 11 a.m. Pacific Time, 2 p.m. Eastern on Voice America Empowerment. Live up to your fullest potential. This is the Voice America Empowerment Channel. You're listening to Authentic Living with Andrea Matthews. We want to hear from you. If you have a question or comment about today's show, call in now toll free. 1-888-346-9141. That's 1-888-346-9141. You can also send your questions or comments by email to Andrea at andreamatthews.com. Now, back to Authentic Living with Andrea Matthews. And we're back talking today about whether or not it is true that the divine, however you see the divine, actually does take care of us. Because we've had many people... Uh, and many questions, many people say that maybe the divine doesn't really take care of us because look at all the suffering. How could the divine be taking care of us if we got all this suffering? And uh, we also have questions raised, even when we are faithful and, and do believe that there is some a divine energy of some sort taking care of us, we still have trouble believing it sometimes because 
because of duality, because we believe that we're not really one with the divine. We believe that we're separate from the divine, and it's hard to imagine any other reality than the one that we've grown up with, which is that we're separate from the divine, and we have to strive to be one with the divine. And what we've learned from the Bible, the excuse me, not the Bible verses, a few Bible verses so far, but also from the Bhagavad Gita, from the Upanishads, from the Quran, we're learning that across the globe, various religions tell us that the divine is absolutely taking care of us, and it talks about surrendering to the divine because the divine takes care of us. So, I mean, obviously we're not going to surrender to some force that's not going to take care of us. We certainly want to be uh, taken care of. If I'm going to give my heart, soul, mind, and body to something, it better take care of me because I'm probably not going to want to do that if it doesn't. So it talks about surrendering a lot, and we're going to say some more about what that means in a little bit. But uh, right now I want to get to some more of, uh, we got we went through uh, the Bhagavad Gita, we talked about the Upanishads, we talked about the Quran, and we got to reading some of the Bible verses that... Um, that stipulate that the divine does take care of us. And I want to, I want to go over just a few more of those before we talk, stop talking about the sacred texts of the world. In the book of Isaiah, uh, from the Bible, uh, the old Testament of the Bible or the Jewish Tanakh, it says, Isaiah 41:10, fear not for I am with you. Be not dismayed for I am your God. I will strengthen you. I will help you. I will uphold you with my righteous right hand. Well, you can't really miss what that means, can you? And yet we look at that and we say, how can that possibly be true? I'm having all these troubles. How, how can it be true that I'm being upheld with the righteous right hand of the divine? I'm being strengthened. I'm being helped when it just looks like the whole world's falling apart. And last year during the COVID crisis, and maybe for some people still that are struggling with COVID, it looks like, you know, there is no divine. This is darkness. Uh, 500,000 people died of COVID. How could it be possible that the divine is still taking care of us? Well, we didn't say that things would always go our way in the duality trance state in which we live. We have a reality that we believe is true, and it's like a trance state. We believe that duality is the only reality. Duality says I live separately from the divine and I have to struggle and strive to get some kind of unification with the divine. And if I'm not, in a lot of cases, it means if I'm not really a good person, then I, you know, I can't count on the divine. So uh, what, what we see here, though, is that we're not to be dismayed because no matter what happens, no matter what happens, we are being taken care of. Psalm 55, 22 says, Cast your burden on the Lord, and he will sustain you. He will never permit the righteous to be moved. Now, I want to say something here about that righteous. Uh, when Jesus said uh, that our righteousness should be greater than that of the Pharisees, the Pharisees were considered to be the most righteous of all people in the Jewish faith at that time. And they, and they were the ones who were following the law to the letter, and they were, uh, they were supposedly following the law to the letter, but Jesus called them hypocrites because he knew they weren't really doing that anyway. But, um, but he said he wanted their, our righteousness to be stronger than his. When you look up the root language of the word righteous, 
one of the one of the definitions that sort of encapsulates all the others is only Christ truly. So what that means is there's a place within us that is the Christ nature, just like the Buddhists believe in the in the the part of them that is the Buddha nature, and the uh, and Hindus believe that in the divine self, that there's a part of us that is one with the divine that is living as only Christ only Christ truly as the Christ nature that has uh, the law the quote unquote law written on its heart that part of us never goes away and that part of us will never be moved it will always stay right where it belongs and that's what that means it doesn't mean that you have to be righteous to get God to take care of you. Uh, it does mean that uh, when you cast your burden on the Lord, he will sustain you. So anybody can do that. Anybody can do that. It doesn't matter who you are. Psalm 23, which is one of my favorite of the Psalms, is a, is a, a little bit lengthy, but I want to read it out loud because it, it really does say a lot about the truth of whether or not we're being taken care of. It says, the Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside still waters. He restores my soul. He leads me in paths of righteousness for his name's sake. Even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil, my cup overflows. Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life, and I shall dwell in the house of the Lord forever. So basically what that's saying is not that there's not any struggles down here on planet Earth in the duality trans-state in which we live, but rather that we can be comforted by the rod and the staff that uh, is provided by our shepherd. That rod is the you know, the wrong, the long crooked uh, staff that a shepherd used to, to make sure that the, the sheep were not falling off a cliff somewhere or got, falling into the ocean and drowning. Um, it was a guide. It was a, uh, a, a stanchion for them to count on. And if one of the sheep did happen to fall off somewhere, it was long enough to reach and put, put around their neck and pull them back up to the top. So, um, preparing a table before me in the presence of my enemies. That doesn't mean we don't have enemies. It means that my table is being prepared for me in spite of the fact that I have enemies. And they might even watch me eat my food because it's they're in the presence. My enemies are right there. And uh, so there's a lot that's said by that verse. I could go into a great deal of detail about what that really means. But basically what it means is we are being taken care of. And there's one more place in the, in the uh, New Testament where Matthew 6, uh, 25 through 34, Jesus is talking to the, a crowd of people. And he says, therefore, I tell you, do not be anxious about your life, what you will eat or what you will drink, nor about your body, what you will put on. Is not life more than food and the body more than clothing? Look at the birds of the air. They neither sow nor reap nor gather into barns, and yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not of more value than they? And which of you, by being anxious, can add a single hour to span of his life? And why are you anxious about clothing? Consider the lilies of the field, how they grow. 
they neither toil nor spin. Yet I tell you, even Solomon in all of his glory was not arrayed like one of these. But if God so clothes the grass of the field, which today is alive and tomorrow is thrown into the oven, will he not much more clothe you, O you of little faith? Therefore do not be anxious, saying, What shall we eat? What shall we drink? What shall we wear? For the Gentiles seek after all these things, and your heavenly Father knows that you need them all. But seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all of these things will be added to you. Therefore do not be anxious about tomorrow, for tomorrow will be anxious for itself. Sufficient for the day is its own trouble. So again, Jesus is not denying that there's trouble. He's not saying that in this duality state that we are a part of because we're trying to finish creation, we're not, we're not, that we're not troubled by things. He is saying that we can rely on the divine to take care of us. So these are wonderful verses that we've seen in the Bhagavad Gita. We've seen it in the Upanishads. We've seen it in the Quran. And we've seen it in the Bible, that we are being taken care of. So in, in, in the world's biggest religions, their texts, their sacred texts, are telling us that we are being taken care of by the divine. And, and there's a mention in uh, several of these verses. Jesus says, uh, seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. Now, again, that word righteousness does not mean being good. It means only Christ truly. It means the divine nature inside of you has begun to uh, work its way into your life, into your thinking, into your feeling, into your behavior, so that you are living as only Christ truly. You're living the person that is the Christ energy within you. And so uh, so that's what he says. Seek first that. And that's a kind of surrender. So what is surrender? What do we mean by surrender? Well, you know, in the trust walks that we see around the world, people do these trust walks where you just fall backwards and somebody catches you. It's a little bit like that. It's a little bit like trusting that there's somebody back there who's going to catch you when you fall. And that is very hard for us to come by, that trust, in many occasions, because many of us have been traumatized at early ages, and it's very difficult for us to understand that trust is possible because we grew up with people who couldn't be trusted. And so we, we, it's really hard for us to go, okay, I'm going to fall backwards. I remember somebody telling me one time that I was going to have to go on one of those courses, and I was like, nope, not doing it, not going, because I don't trust anybody to fall me when I, uh, catch me when I fall backwards. It's been difficult for me to trust. I remember uh, one time in my life, uh, I'll tell you a miraculous story here, um, there was a time when I was struggling for money and I was a single parent with two kids and one of my kids had a broken foot and I uh, was in a cast and so he asked me to go out to the car and get something out of the car for him and I thought it was going to be under my the passenger seat of my car. So I reached under the passenger seat and started feeling around and I felt this piece of paper and I picked it up and it was a Brazilian $500 note. Now, I had no idea where that came from. My car was new when I bought it. It was not a used car. So I had no idea where that came from. But I, um, I took it into the house and consulted with my son, who was my resident encyclopedia at the time. And he said, well, it looks real, but maybe you should take it to a bank and find out. So the next day was a work wait day, and I called the bank, a bank and that I knew had uh, a, a, a currency exchange, and I 
left uh, I had left a message with the woman that was there for her to call me back. She did not call me back that day. She did not call me back the next day. She did not call me back. I called her again and left another message. She did not call me back. She did not call me back. So she never called me back. So I put it in my billfold, the $500 note in my billfold, and I just uh, forgot about it. About three or four months later, I was doing some uh, weekend retreats, and uh, I took a $500 hit uh, because some people backed out of the uh, retreat. And I was struggling with that $500 hit and wondering what to do. And so one day I was paying my bills for the month and I happened to be going through my billfold and found that $500 note. And I thought, oh my goodness, this is $500. So I contacted, I called the number again on the back of that I had put on a little sticky note on that, on the um, $500 note. And I um, called the number and she answered right away and she said, well, it sounds real. But bring it down here, and we'll uh, we'll take a look at it. So the next day, I went down there, and I took a look at. They took a look at it, and they said, "Yeah, that looks real. Go across the street, and they'll be able to exchange it for you." So I went across the street, and I handed the note, five hundred dollar note, to the woman, and she gave me back four hundred and ninety dollars or something like that. It wasn't the whole five hundred, but it was almost. And they had some kind of fee, I think, that they had to withdraw from it, and. Uh, so I'm walking out of the place, and I go get in my car, and I look in the rearview mirror, and I say to my to my God, the divine, I said, you don't really think this is going to make me trust you, do you? So that's my my, my degree of trust. I, I suffered several traumas when I was a, a young child, and it's been difficult for me to trust. So um, uh, so I, I think that it's... Uh, it's one of those things we struggle with. Can we really fall backwards and trust that the divine will, will catch us? Well, I don't recommend that we spend a lot of time trying to fall backwards. Uh, that'd be like the devil tempting Jesus to jump off the mountain and his angels would catch him, right? And Jesus was like, no, I'm not doing that. So, no, I'm not recommending that we literally try to fall backwards and trust that the divine is going to take care of us. But I am recommending that a kind of surrender. And that surrender requires a degree of trust. And the surrender just says, I'm going to trust that there's something bigger than my life circumstances. I'm going to trust that, that we are, uh, that there is a truth deep inside me that knows reality better than my, my intellect does. I'm going to trust that that information that 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 truth gives me is true, and I'm going to walk into that. Now, that doesn't mean we won't be afraid. That doesn't mean that we will uh, always never have any anxiety. It doesn't mean that everything's going to go our way. But it does mean that we can have peace. It does mean that even in the midst of struggles, there's a place deep inside of us that knows what I call the stillness. That place where in Psalms, 40, uh, I think it's 46, I'm not sure about the actual uh, place in the Bible, but it says, cease striving and know that I am God. So that what does that mean, cease striving? It means that we don't have to struggle and strive with reality. We don't have to beat it up and make it uh, and overcome it. We don't have to make sure that we never have fears. What we need to do is trust, just rest, just rest in that knowledge 
that the divine is present with us and that even though we walk through the valley of the shadow of death, we don't have to be afraid. That kind of trust is all about surrender. It says, I'm willing to to be uh, held in the hand of the divine because I trust that the divine cares for me. Um, There's a lot of bitterness out there. It's a lot of bitterness inside all of us that we've had so many struggles and we we just are just kind of basically going, well, you know, uh, I just don't trust you. I don't trust you, divine, to take care of me because I've had too many troubles. There's been too many things that have gone wrong in my life. How can I possibly trust you to take care of me? And that's a question that needs to be answered. And it can be only answered through experimentation. And that experimentation says I have to be willing to try to see if the divine can be trusted. And so we're going to talk a little bit more about that experimentation right after the break. Stay tuned for more right after this. It's your world. Motivate. Change. Succeed. VoiceAmericaEmpowerment.com Do you have executive function challenges? Actually, these are a lot more common than you would think. These challenges include time management issues, organization, planning, focusing, memory, and problem solving. If this sounds like you, you'll want to check out Focus on Success. With Fazia Costi, you'll hear from professionals that offer advice based on their expertise and provide solutions to improve your life. Focus on Success can be heard Wednesdays at 9 a.m. Pacific Time, noon Eastern, on Voice America Empowerment. Now or never means so much more today. Following and continuing these life-changing years faces us with a variety of choices. Are you going to move forward or are you staying put? Is it time to heal? The answers can be found on Now or Never, The Choice is Yours, with host Karen Wright. Karen shares her stories along with those of her amazing guests who have found healing and enlightenment while moving along their life paths. Tune in every Wednesday at 10 a.m. Pacific Time and 1 p.m. Eastern Time on Voice America Empowerment. Do you feel that you want more from your life but keep finding yourself in the same spot? It is time to break free from self-defeating patterns and limiting beliefs. Find out more by tuning in to Let's Talk About It with nationally recognized psychotherapist, Dr. Jamie Lacey. Learn to create healthy lifestyle choices so that you can be the best you. Tune in every Wednesday at 8 p.m. Eastern Time and 5 p.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Empowerment Channel. Change your world. Change your life. VoiceAmericaEmpowerment.com You're listening to Authentic Living with Andrea Matthews. We want to hear from you. If you have a question or comment about today's show, call in now toll-free, 1-888-346-9141. That's 1-888-346-9141. You can also send your questions or comments by email to Andrea at andreamatthews.com. Now, back to Authentic Living with Andrea Matthews. And we're back talking today about whether or not it is true that the divine actually does take care of us. And we are talking about this because as we kind of crawl out of the darkness of the COVID pandemic, 
And as we crawl slowly out of the economic crisis created by the COVID pandemic, and as we are beginning to see that uh, our, we have a new government that does care about us, uh, we are slowly being able to to ask questions. And perhaps those questions have been asked throughout the struggle, throughout the difficulty of the darkness of of um, this COVID crisis and that has been worldwide. It's not just in America, it's all over the world. And uh, so how do we, how do we respond to that reality? How did we work with it? And one of the things that I'm seeing, and I know this is not always the case, but what I'm seeing is a lot of real beautiful compassion that people are giving to each other where people are hungry uh, there's other people trying to feed them where uh, the nurses and doctors in hospitals worked overtime and exhausted themselves taking care of the COVID patients um, with a great deal of compassion and concern for their well-being and you know with the potential that they were going to get COVID taking the risk that they were going to get COVID um, so a lot of heroism, a lot of compassion, a lot of real decency came out of this crisis that has been like in our face. We, we can't miss it. And at the same time, there's been a lot of death. There's been a lot of horrible death. There's been a lot of death where people were alone in their dying. And uh, they couldn't be with family because they couldn't come, family couldn't come to the, visit them. So... These are de- very dark times. These are very, very difficult times. And so they, they it's almost force us to ask the question, is the divine really with me? Does the divine really care? How could this be happening if the divine really cares? And that question is answered over and over again by the text that we just read throughout this, uh, uh, this program from the Bhagavad Gita. Uh, the, from the Upanishads, from the Quran, from the Bible. And what we see again and again is we can surrender to the divine because the divine takes care of us. And we will see that the divine takes care of us when we do surrender. And like I said in the last segment, we need to experiment with that possibility. We need to just see what's going to happen if we say, okay, you got this, the divine, divine you, whatever you call the divine, whether it's Allah or, or Jesus or God or uh, Brahma or whatever you call the divine, uh, okay, I'm going to surrender to you. I'm going to let you have my life. Maybe I won't keep doing that, you know, if you disappoint me, but right now, for this little while, I'm going to surrender. I'm going to let you have my life. I'm going to let you show me that you care. And what we look at, what we tend to want to do with that is just say, now everything's going to go my way. My path is going to be cleared. I'm going to get that job I want. I'm going to have the girlfriend or boyfriend that I want. I'm going to have money. I'm going to be okay. And that's not necessarily what's going to happen. It could happen, but it's not necessarily what's going to happen. When I found that $500 Brazilian note, I could have said, well, this is not $500. This is not enough. 
I need lots of money. Give me lots of money. This is not good enough. And that's basically what the Israelites were saying in the Jewish Tanakh and the, and the Christian Old Testament. They were saying, this is not good enough. The quail and the manna that you've given us for the past 40 years is not good enough. That's what the teenage say, uh, son says when he comes home from school and looks in the refrigerator and sees a full refrigerator and looks in the freezer and sees a full freezer and looks in the pantry and sees a full, full pantry and says, there's nothing to eat here, loudly. So mom comes running and she opens the freezer and says, look, there's lots of food to eat. She opens the refrigerator and she says, look, there's lots of food to eat. And she opens the pantry and she says, look, there's lots of food to eat. And he says, I don't like that stuff. So basically what he's saying is, that's not good enough. That's not what I wanted. So now we have to ask the question, what is good enough? What is good enough? When, when can we be sustained? When can we be satisfied? When can we say, this is, this is okay, just like it is? And when do we find peace, even in the dark circumstances? Is it possible to have peace, even in the dark circumstances? Is it possible that we can live a life that we really do uh, find some peace within, even though our circumstances aren't always what they wanted to, we wanted them to be? Well, Viktor Frankl, in, his, in Man's Search for Meaning, shows us that absolutely it's possible. He was in Dachau. I mean, if there's ever been a place of suffering, Dachau was it. Auschwitz and Dachau... Terrible, terrible suffering there. And yet, he was able to find meaning and even joy there. And so, you know, what is that about? Can we actually find meaning and joy even in the most difficult circumstances? Well, the Bhagavad Gita tells us we can. The Upanishads tell us we can. The uh, Quran tells us we can. And the Bible tells us we can. And if all of those sacred texts say the same thing, and they do in lots of areas, unlike what traditionalists teach us about what the Bible says, it is very much like the Upanishads, very much like the Bhagavad Gita, very much like the Quran, in that it tells us that we are being taken care of. And in many other ways, it's very, very similar. If we look at the root language of the Bible, if we look at the translations that are extant out there now, and don't look at the root language, we may miss that. But if we look at the root language, we will see that. And so uh, when, when we ask about this whole thing of can I find peace in the midst of suffering, that's an excellent question. And the reason it's excellent is because it says that I know that in the duality trans state in which I live, there will be suffering. And yet there's another place from which I can live, which is deep within me. That place, in that place, there is no suffering. In that place, I am fulfilled. In that place, I have meaning. In that place, I am aware of my own, what the Bhagavad Gita would call the divine self. What the, uh, some people that are Christian call the Christ nature, what the Buddhists call the Buddha nature. That is deep within us, and what I call it the authentic self. It is who we really are, way down deep inside, where 
everything is really okay. Now, I've said I've given this analogy several times before, but I think of the authentic self as the roots of a tree. The tree above ground can be seen. The tree above ground may be scarred. The tree above ground may have lightning have uh, may lightning may have struck one of its branches. The tree of above ground may have basketball hoop nailed into its its outer bark. The tree of uh, above ground may have a cancer growth that's growing on it. Uh, but the tree underground, where the roots are, they're doing just fine. Thank you very much. In fact, what science is discovering now about what's going on with the tree above the tree below ground, the roots of the system, is that they are connected to other trees in the same area, and that those trees communicate with each other, and they protect each other, they watch out for each other. So uh, that's a beautiful thing that science is discovering there, and I think it tells a lot about what goes on down below in the place where we are divine self, where we are Christ's nature, where we are Buddha nature. It is that place where everything is really okay, thank you very much. It is a place of wisdom. It is a place of deep, abiding love. It is a place of trust. It is a place where we can go to find our, our meaning. And it is a place where, from which we can get joy. But if we don't ever go to that place, we don't ever surrender to the I am, to the divine self, to the authentic self, to the Buddha nature, to the Christ nature. If we don't ever surrender to that, and just sit inside of it and cease striving to know that I am divine. If we don't ever do that, then we won't ever know. And so it requires some experimentation. It requires that we look deep within us to find that. And so, because it does require that, I recommend meditation. Because meditation is one of the ways that we can go there. Uh, I know that there are some uh, of the Christian faith who say that we should not meditate uh, because it means uh, that we are not contemplating the law and the scriptures and uh, we are not and that we are believing that there is a deep self deep inside of us that is um, a part of the divine nature um, and that that's Eastern religion and that's not what Christians believe. Christians believe that we're sinful and that we need to be uh, saved. And so there are some Christians out there who are saying that. And so if that's how you feel, then the next statement I made is, make is going to be difficult for you to hear. Um, the root language of the New Testament does not agree with that statement. The root language in the New Testament uh, tells us that Jesus came here to show us who we are as divine beings. He even said, Greater things than these will you do because I'm leaving. In other words, we have all the power he had because, and we don't need to rely on him to, to do it. We need, we need to trust that we have that same divine nature inside of us that he had. And he reiterated that over and over and over and over again in a multitude of ways through the root language that we can see. So, um, you might want to look at the root language if you have problems with that and just see for yourself what you think. But in the meantime, if we can experiment with surrender, if we can experiment with the possibility that maybe I really can trust the divine to take care of me, 
then I'm going to relax into that. I'm going to stop striving so hard to be hypervigilant and take care of every little detail and make sure everything's dotted and crossed. I'm going to trust that I, that it's all going to be taken care of in its own time. Jesus said, tomorrow takes care of tomorrow and we don't and we don't have to worry about tomorrow and one of the great buddhist principles is that we need to live in today we need to live into this moment right here right now and when we do that we find a little peace when we do that we are uh, we are aware of the moment and are living a more fulfilled life because we are trying really hard uh, to uh, not trying really hard, actually cease striving and, and letting that truth sink in. So, um, yes, the, que- the answer to the question is yes, the divine does take care of us. Regardless of how you see the divine, there is a divine, whether you call it universe, God, Jesus, Brahma, Krishna, uh, Buddha, whatever you call it, you're you are being taken care of in some ways that perhaps you don't even know because you're looking for something other than the manna and the quail. All right, that's our show for today. We'll be back again next week. And remember, your job, should you choose to accept it, is to give birth to yourself. Thanks again for listening to Authentic Living with Andrea Matthews. Join us again next Wednesday afternoon at 1 p.m. Pacific Time, 4 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Empowerment Channel. We'll talk again next week.